We're back with another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Good morning, everybody. First up this week, lawmakers in California have passed a bill that would require companies like Uber and Lyft to treat contract workers as employees. This is planned to take effect January 1st, and similar legislation is being viewed in New York and elsewhere. This doesn't paint a pretty picture for Uber and Lyft. Uh, and, and all the and gig workers and so on, I, it's, it's somewhat shocking uh, that uh, basically uh, uh, the gig worker is sort of a person who basically um, has trouble working for the man. And it seems like, you know, this is uh, legislation that brought to you by gig workers to get them to work for the man. So um, it seems really strange. Um, Certainly, um, uh, there should be uh, laws that make sure that um, that gig workers have the opportunity to make a a living wage and and get paid properly and and have some benefits and so on. Uh, But. but uh, this seems to be um, going a little far. And, and of course, um, that's, I, I don't think, good for somebody who wants to be uh, independent and, 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 and who really um, flourishes um, in an independent environment as opposed to a structured um, um, uh, worker environment. So I think, you know, from the gig worker, from the, the people who are actually are doing the driving or doing these services, um, ability to basically do what they can do without having to uh, go through the rigmarole of, of being an organized worker. Um, I think this is um, this is really strange legislation. <laughs> but for Uber and Lyft, I mean, it just basically um, uh, makes them instead of what they wanted to be, which was an internet business. An internet business is one in which basically you only have, you have a fixed cost so that when you, you scale, you can distribute that fixed cost over, over more and more entities. That means that your unit costs um, uh, go um, as one over the scale. And uh, and get smaller and smaller, so that if you can somehow hold your prices or not diminish your your prices, your revenue per unit, all that much as you grow bigger and bigger, uh, you can make a lot of money because then the, the spread between uh, between what you uh, bring in versus what you have to pay out uh, becomes larger as you increase in scale. But what this does is it makes Uber and Lyft be be labor intensive uh, businesses, which means the labor has to be brought explicitly into play. And um, and in fact, um, um, as you grow, uh, labor becomes more expensive. Uh, why? Because uh, uh, there aren't as many people willing to work for as little as you were paying um, before. So you have to pay more for the incremental worker. And so that means, um, and and if each one of your your units of output is now proportional to labor and labor charge, that means your unit costs are going up as you as you scale. And we know from my fundamental supply demand that if you want more customers, uh, you're probably going to have to charge them less. 
and so therefore um, uh, your your unit revenue goes down. So if you're already losing money and you thought that you could make money by scaling, guess what? Both the revenue side and the and the expense side are going against you. Uh, man, this is I mean, this is this is um, kindergarten economics. Uh, how could they both possibly su- survive? So uh, the only way they could possibly survive is somehow is they get out from under this this uh, this labor, this this fact that they're 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 now a, a company that's who's uh, forward looking is proportional to labor. Only way you do that is you get the driverless. So if they if they weren't motivated to to advance uh, driverless mobility as a service before, uh, they have to be today. Now the question is: Is can mobility as a service evolve technologically and societally and and sociologically? In other words, be accepted in the community so that people are willing to get into a vehicle that has no driver and pay you to take them someplace uh, without a driver, uh, which may be the biggest hurdle of all this. Uh, Can they get there quickly enough uh, before um, the money runs out? And um, I don't know. Um, uh, they uh, They have a big hill to climb here. And uh, and I, you know, you can reach your own conclusion, uh, but uh, boy, this is bad news for them. And as you mentioned, even for the for the drivers, other gig workers, too. I mean, it, I was I was in a vehicle the other day and the driver was talking about how much uh, she liked driving because she could set her own schedule. You know, it's when I'm absolutely you know, what that's what that, that that was the brilliance of the of Uber and Lyft. I mean, there were many brilliances. The the app is is the best app you've ever seen. The way it's designed and user usability and 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 the way that it takes the sketchiness out of the 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 being driven problem by being driven by a stranger problem and and the fact that nobody touches the money and. All, and the, you can see the vehicle coming. I mean, you look you look at that app, and and if, if you're an app developer, you say you see all this elegance, this this brilliance in, in the app that make that basically you know that makes it that takes the like I like to say takes the anxiety out of out of the upcoming trip. Uh, you, you you have a you can see the driver. You know the driver's how the driver's been rated and so on and so forth. Uh, and you know that uh, when you're you're on in in the, in the vehicle, you're being you're being um, uh, uh, tracked. Uh, uh, um, uh, if if something happens, uh, certainly there's data to be able to to adjudicate any of that that stuff. Um, you know, it's just wonderful, uh, and it's wonderful for the for the gig worker because you know there's some people who who just don't want to work for somebody else. Um, they're too too independent. They want to set their own hours and so on. And this has been a 
brilliant opportunity for for them to do that and and some people who haven't been able to afford a car for their own mobility they've been able to to justify uh getting one so that so that their lives can be enhanced and and get mobility out of that as well as uh, as help pay for this this expensive uh mobility instrument that we've uh, that we've promulgated on society over the past hundred years. And so, you know, absolutely brilliant, uh, but uh, to, to grow, to become bigger than, than 1% of the, of the trip making, the, the billion trips that are taken every, every day in, 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 the, in the country by a, by a car and to penetrate that and, and get more than 1% of it, um, then, um, then you need more than gig workers to do that, or and you probably do need employees. So I think the the current gig workers are kind of are, are protected in terms of the of the jobs. Um, you know, Uber and Lyft might survive, or or a descendant of Uber and Lyft might survive to provide the same number of trips as exist now uh, to the people who can who can afford. Uh, to pay what the uh, additional overhead that this kind of legislation is going to is going to apply on trips, and as long as the quality of service and the level of service is where it is, it probably it probably plateaus at the at the current um, um, mobility that is offered now. To go beyond that, which was the real hope of Uber and Lyft, and the hope of I believe the ho- hope of Uber and Lyft investors. Was that it could grow beyond one percent of the trips? It could grow to ten percent. It could grow to twenty percent. It could grow to fifty percent, uh, and that's why everybody was, I believe, uh, was uh, thinking of of extreme valuations in the in the hundred billion dollar range and so on. And uh, but but unfortunately, with the current business model and this legislation implied on top of that business model and the operations model where there is a driver that is required for each uh, human driver that is required for each individual trip um uh, man uh, getting beyond the the amount of uh, business that they do now is going to be extremely challenging and to do that amount of business profitably uh, even making just one dollar i mean one dollar total not one dollar per trip <laughs> breaking even extremely challenging um to make enough on the, each one of the, uh, only one uh, percent of the trips making enough on just that small of a base to justify the the, the current uh, valuation is i mean I, I think that's near impossible um, and so um, uh, that's uh, the rock and the hard place that Uber and Lyft are, are finding themselves in. And um, uh, I don't know how it goes forward. You, know, you talked about the, the brilliance of the app and, uh, and the data that it generates. In the newsletter, you highlight a report about urban planners' efforts without success thus far, I think, to get well, Uber, to, except- to, get Uber <laughs> to share data on how people navigate cities. 
Right. And, and, uh, and of course, they're keeping it close to the vest. And I don't know what their privacy uh, statement is in, in, in the app. I, you know, I just clicked it because I wanted to use Uber and Lyft. So, you know, I guess uh, I'm giving it to them or whatever and however they want to use it. Uh, and I guess they could monetize that somewhat and make a, make a, a couple shekels out of that one. But, uh, but you know, nobody's going to give them a whole heck of a lot of money for that. Not valuation money, uh, that's for sure. Uh, so that's all chump change. Uh, but uh, but uh, certainly planners would love to have it, uh, and but they have no money in their pocket, so uh, they can't really pay for it. Uh, in New York, in New York City, uh, New York City's required them to give it to, to the city, and it is available. And I'm telling you, it is really valuable because uh, because you can see how people are using it. In fact, uh, uh, one of my students this past uh, year did an excellent senior thesis on looking at uh, you know each of the individual um, uh, trips uh, made by. <laughs> Uh, by the uh, ride-hailing industry, um, uh, Uber and, and Lyft, and and comparing that the, each of those individual trips to how that person would have made the trip uh, using the New York City uh, transit system, and uh, the basic uh, conclusion was that for uh, an, uh, for uh, uh, I don't know seventy-five percent. I don't remember the exact number of the trips. In fact, um, you know, the New York City transit system was just not competitive with Uber Lyft. In other words, it provided a real service in places that the New York City transit system um, wasn't didn't serve well. Uh, in in a couple of places, uh, uh, the New York City transit system would have been much better. Uh, than uh, than Uber or Lyft, <laughs> and you know what those are: Penn Station to Lower Manhattan, uh, to to Wall Street. You know, I guess all the bankers uh, prefer to, to be chauffeured by Uber and Lyft than to go take the subway. But I I don't know, um, uh, and that's sort of obvious. But uh, you know, uh, but that doesn't really happen throughout the city. You know, Uber and Lyft provide uh, extremely valuable service. In the especially in the outer boroughs, where if you if you're not destined to Manhattan, uh, man, you know there isn't very much MTA service, and it's not very good, and the travel times aren't good, and the and the and the, the service frequencies aren't good, and you and the transfers are required. And so, in fact, the uh, Uber Lyft provide an enormously valuable service uh, to the 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 people that live out there and the businesses that are out there. From Medium, there's info about uh, Argo AI. And the key quote here is uh, the company says it has a street-by-street, block-by-block mindset underlying its approach to developing and deploying technology. They say it's not a race. Our goal remains to make self-driving vehicles that are safe, provide a compelling experience, and are accepted by society a service that will only operate within specific areas of a city. Did I write that? <laughs> I think <laughs> I wrote that. I mean, you know, is there a statement that I agree with more than exactly what uh, uh, 
what was said there. I mean, uh, Ryan, it's 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 beautiful. I mean, that, that is that is uh, driverless technology. It is supposed to provide mobility uh, to people. And and guess what? They come from neighborhoods, and 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 in fact, they are going to have to feel comfortable, safe, anxious, happy, thrilled to be taking it from the places where they're coming from and going to, and the streets that, that are going to be used by these vehicles are going to have to welcome these and, and say, sure, uh, pass by my house, uh, come down my street. Uh, you're not an invader from who knows what uh, or uh, some stranger that shouldn't be here. Um, and so uh, that's what's going to have to be done. And the fact that, uh, you know, the statement is also that they're, it's just not going to be sold to an individual. It's not it, it almost can't be sold to an individual, not the way people have been selling cars up to this point in time, because, you know, when I buy my car, I assume I can you know, take it almost anywhere. Um, these things aren't going to be able to go almost anywhere. Uh, and be, why? Because they're not going to be welcomed almost anywhere. Uh, I, you know, maybe there are some neighborhoods that I avoid because I think I'm not going to be welcomed. But that's, you know, that's the problem with my brain. That's, the, uh, of course, I'd be welcomed in those neighborhoods. Uh, maybe I don't perceive that I would, but th- th- that's my problem. That's my fault. Uh, but these things, I'm not so sure that everybody's going to welcome them, especially at this point where, where the, the perceived safety of these is just not, uh, is not sufficient enough. Um, uh, people have, um, have all these um, potentially weird thoughts. Oh, it might run over my child as my child chases a ball out in the street. Even though the cars that go down Cleveland Lane could run over my child if they, because they're texting and so on. Never mind. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) Yes. But but taking this block by block approach is is really what you've been talking uh, about. The glorified block by block approach, absolutely, to get the get make sure that the vehicles that can negotiate the, those situations there aren't some really some something weird there and two that that the people that live along in those those streets and the businesses that are along those streets realize that these things are are good for the community good for them uh, welcome it's part of uh, it's part of their quality of life uh, as opposed to something that is uh, that is uh, an invader from who knows what. Uh, hey, maybe I'm I'm just the one that uh, uh, maybe that's the problem with me. But uh, I'm, I couldn't have said it better. So that's that's uh, I won't repeat it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, the U.S. Department of Transportation has awarded three grants uh, totaling thirty million dollars for the research and testing of autonomous vehicle technology. The funds uh, will be going to Ohio, Michigan, and the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute. And there may be more to come. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the $60 million that was there. And I think in terms of a place where the, the federal government can spend a, a little bit of money is, is certainly in the, in the test facilities. One needs some test facilities in which to, to do the, the beginning of, of all this, uh, you know, to make sure that at least um, you, uh, it's sort of the kindergarten, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you may be um, um, 
learn how to add or subtract, but uh, but you can't do calculus there. Uh, the calculus, the the, the curveballs that are thrown by Mother Nature. Uh, I think you have to go out there uh, street by street. Um, um, it's hand to hand warfare in some sense, uh, the way uh, Argo uh, is approaching it. So, and, and so hopefully uh, um, uh, the feds will find some money to, to uh, fund some of that, those efforts also. Um, the amounts of money uh, are, are good, but when you look at it the, um, compared to the, to the value proposition of this technology, I mean, it's uh, um, don't want to call it chump change, but it's really very, very small numbers. Um, um, what's been invested in this technology, um, you know, in the last um, uh, 15 years or really last 10 or really mostly last five is, you know, approaching what, $100 billion or certainly that order of magnitude. And, and you know, that's 100B. That's uh, 10 to the 11th, isn't it? Uh, dollars. And this is, we're talking about, uh, you know, 10 million. Uh, that's 10 to the 7th. Uh, so we're, we're, you know, four orders of magnitude down. So we're basically at the 0.01 cent level uh, on a dollar basis. Um, so, yes, it's nice, uh, but boy, the federal government needs to step up or needs. I don't know if it needs. Uh, this is a private sector initiative. This is value for individuals that, uh, that in fact, um, uh, is is to develop mobility, uh, affordable mobility that people are willing to pay for. So, you know, this can this can readily uh, be a a private sector initiative because it has private sector values that also uh, provide um, uh, societal and social values. Um, um, the government just <clears throat> may not be rich enough uh, to lead, but you know, helping out here and there, I think that's really good. And this is what this is uh, uh, the beginning of this sixty million dollars. Uh, let's hope there's um, there's another sixty and another sixty, and then maybe six hundred and and uh, and maybe you know six billion at some point, uh, whatever. Uh, because this is uh, again, it's uh, the mobility uh, market world. Worldwide, as a ten trillion or so dollar a year business, um, and um, and mobility is is uh, perfectly correlated with improved quality of life. And as we've argued and discussed it here, uh, mobility to the mobility of the disadvantaged or, or or the mobility challenged is really important. Um, and um, and this technology has the opportunity to to provide mobility to them as as to well as well as to everybody else. So this is a good thing to do. Uh, glad to see the feds uh, putting in a little bit of money. Another Tesla sleeping driver story making the rounds. Uh, a man in the Boston area shot a video of a Tesla driver and his passenger slumped over while the vehicle was traveling on I ninety. Uh, Tesla has responded that this may be a prank or a hoax. And in the latest newsletter, you have some interesting comments. Well, you know, I think uh, I sort of side with Tesla on this. This looks this looks staged to me. I mean, really, I'm driving down. I don't, what was it? The Mass Turnpike or something? 
you know, three lanes in each direction. It's basically wall-to-wall traffic, and I go alongside a car, and I see both people sleeping, and and I just, you know, take a video and, and then speed away. I mean, who does that? I mean, you're not honking the horn or finding some way to wake them up. I mean, what would go through my mind is that, oh, my goodness, uh, they're going to run off the road or they're going to run into somebody or, you know, uh, really? Um, uh, Or is it because I know that there are no cars that are out there that really could let you sleep in them and therefore... um, I'm, I'm, I have that, that vision in my mind that it, 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 at some point it's going to crash and burn and, and not only uh, do damage and, and hurt the people that are inside this vehicle, but the people around them. And I'm not going to, I'm just going to speed away and let it happen. I think it's staged, but you know, um, whatever. Yeah, and, and there's also the question of whether or not uh, Tesla and, and others uh, should should employ technology to prevent the people from being able to do that. So. Well, uh, you know, of course, the, the manual says, it. I mean, Tesla drivers, the ones that I know, know that the system isn't perfect. I mean, they're, they're, they use it to, to, they use the system because it provides some comfort and convenience, but, but they're, they're quite, I, I don't know that they're quite aware that in fact um, um, the technology is not to be completely trusted. Uh, who completely trusts technology? Anybody? I mean, you know, every time you get into an airplane, you wonder if you're going to crash. Uh, so I, I don't know. I wonder if I'm going to crash. Uh, how many of none of us uh, have had nightmares about all that stuff? So uh, you know, I yes, and of course uh, they should put some things in those things that don't let you that that kind of get you back to uh, uh, to reality. Uh, G, uh, General Motors and in, in their system, the eye tracker is brilliant. And apparently, you know, after if you don't pay attention, then it pulls over and 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 basically disengages, and says um, until you start um, behaving, you don't have the toy anymore. You want to use it, don't abuse it. And so, uh, all these manufacturers should do that one way or another. Now, whether or not it's to, you know, um, uh, shake the car if you don't put your hands on the steering wheel, or you don't watch the road, or whatever. I, you know, I just think that if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna behave, then it's uh, we're gonna pull off, uh, come to a safe stop, and you don't get to use it anymore. Okay, that's the way to do it. It's not to just turn it off and say, okay, you're on your own, sucker. Uh, who knows why you may not be paying attention. You may have a good reason to not pay attention. Maybe, you know, uh, who knows? You had a medical emergency. I don't know. So it's not to say, okay, the way that I'm going to really, um, really uh, uh, teach you a lesson is the, is the, is this hurt you? You know, we don't spank kids anymore. Uh, uh, we don't have paddles in school, although I did get paddled 
when I was in seventh grade, but that's another story. Best thing that ever <laughs> happened to me, Fred, but, <laughs> put me on a straight and narrow, happy to do it. Sometimes it's good to get whacked. Uh, but that's not the way we should behave. We should, you know, come to a safe stop. You know, why you, you're not going to use it um, uh, safely, then you don't get to use it. Um, so um, I guess that's my opinion on that one for whatever it's worth. Yeah. In the meantime, Alan, the uh, sales of electric vehicles in California were up more than 63% the first half of this year, mostly due to sales of Tesla's Model 3. Overall, EV sales were only 5.5% of the market there. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that's really uh, that's really very very good. I think uh, I think the whole EV industry um, should be thanking Tesla because uh, you know if Tesla wasn't there, um, uh, what more than half the cars wouldn't be wouldn't EV cars wouldn't be on the road. So uh, yes, Tesla um, uh, gets attacked a lot. Maybe I'm at times too kind to Tesla. Uh, but, uh, my goodness, this is, this is good news and it's being done in the marketplace and it's being done, I guess, you know, without a, a lot of the financial incentives uh, that were put out there. And of course, um, without any data to support it, uh, I make the data, the claim, uh, excuse me for that, but, you know, I think autopilot has a lot to do with it, the positive aspects of autopilot. If autopilot... <laughs> had negative uh, uh, marketplace uh, perceptions, uh, then in fact, uh, it wouldn't be in, in the vehicles and um, and people wouldn't be using it. But apparently, you know, what, more than 40% of the, the cars are, are purchased with it or and so on. I mean, I, I, they haven't really uh, put out the exact figure. I'd like to know it. But uh, anyway, it's all those things. And, um, and it's... Um, must be a damn good vehicle because people are buying these. Well, look at what they're doing here, Alan. Tesla's starting to retrofit autopilot uh, computers in older Model S and Model X cars with their new self-driving computers. So this is hardware and, yeah, and I mean, a huge <laughs> retrofit program. Right, it's a retrofit. It's people that that have that decide to per, that purchase it, and, and the the way they're doing it is they're saying, "Hey, your car is really good. What we're going to do is the piece that wasn't quite so good. We'll improve it, and and we'll retrofit it for you." I mean, that is just an awesome customer service. I mean, I, I write that uh, when I bought my my. 2014 Mercedes S-Class because it had Distronic Plus and I could take my hands off the wheel and feet off the pedals for seven seconds and I just had to have it and and, and whatever and, and I went out and bought it and in the five years that I've owned it what, what what's Mercedes done? The only thing that they've done is, is try to get me a, to buy a new model and trade mine in as opposed to saying hey we've made improvements on this thing because the lane centering really isn't good although the intelligent cruise control is pretty darn good uh, we made improvements we'll, we'll retrofit we'll over the air update the software no you know i bring it in for for expensive maintenance is have they ever improved anything updated any software done anything no and i don't think in my experience is any different than the experience that people have had with all the other car manufacturers and here you have tesla out there not only doing over the air updates to say hey as we improve 
the software that's in your car, which now software is a big part of a car, we're going we're gonna to give you the improvements. And the second piece is now even some of the hardware that we have in your car, it's not a recall. It's not a safety thing. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to give you the better thing. This happens to be a computer or not give you, maybe we'll ask you to pay for it, but we'll at least make your car, we'll take part of the obsolescence of your car, take it away as opposed to the way cars have been sold in the past is, hey, they become obsolete and you got to get in there and get a new one. Um, fins are no longer in style, uh, get a new one. Fins are now in style, get a new one. Now it's chrome, get a new <laughs> one. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> whatever. I, I wish somebody would do that with my, with my uh, cell phone. <laughs> uh, uh well but your cell phone at least they update the software right exactly right i mean you know so the and and and, and, and that's easy why aren't all car companies doing that I, I it's amazing i think it fundamental customer service the city of toronto has picked its west rouge neighborhood to begin testing autonomous shuttles eight to twelve passengers they expect to begin service, I think, in about a year. And as you point out, there will be an attendant on board. Yeah, I mean, on all these things, there are still attendants on board. I guess, you know, publicly, they can't say that they're testing with the objective of taking the attendance, attendant out, out of there because I don't know. I, I don't know why they don't, but, but that better be their objective to get the attendant out of there because if if it's not their objective then this is this is why bother with the automation i mean you know you can have some of the automation to put for safety purposes to and 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 for driver retention purposes to make the driver's job uh better but that's not going to uh, do anything uh, for you in terms of reducing your cost of, uh, of providing the mobility and providing affordable mobility, which is really what, what all of this is, and, and uh, providing affordable mobility as a service. So the objective would be to, if it, for a test, to lead to something as opposed to be a test and, and then take everything home, put it in the report, put it on your bookshelf, put it in a PDF file, send it up on, on uh, uh, in, in the cloud. Uh, great. We've, we've added to my bookshelf and we've added to the cloud. Uh, have we added anything to providing affordable mobility and improving the, the quality of life of individuals going forward? No. Uh, so, uh, yes, it's nice what they're doing. It's where they should be doing it. I'm not sure that the the explicit objective that they put out there um, is is what their objective should be. Uh, why that isn't the uh, front and center that 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 their objective is to uh, this to be a stepping stone to providing affordable mobility as a service to improve the quality of life of individuals living in these communities. Um, I don't know, but anyway. Um, uh, it's nice as they're doing it. They could be doing more. Richard Bishop has a piece in Forbes.com looking at uh, auto follower platooning and how it fits into the driverless truck ecosystem. Uh, there are a couple of companies actually developing this. 
Right, and and we've we've discussed this with with uh, with him on po- previous podcasts, and this is a very good update uh, on all of this and, and the evolution of this technology. Um, again, uh, I think that um, that uh, it is uh, somewhat good, uh, but uh, but I think that the that the safety aspect of the technology is even better than the than the potential um, uh, productivity aspects. Um, and uh, let's get the technology out there, get it working at least for safety and driver retention, and and, and driver comfort purposes and then if we uh, you know save a little bit on fuel too uh, wonderful uh, but um, again it's more um, I have more of an emphasis uh, issue on this uh, but it's it's good that the technology is finding its way into the uh, motor carrier industry and talking about trucking uh, Daimler and torque robotics which Daimler acquired earlier this year have announced that they're testing autonomous trucks on Virginia highways uh, their Freightliner Cascadia's retrofitted with LiDAR sensors, cameras, radars, and Torque's self-driving software. Uh, they'll have trained drivers and engineers on board uh, as they pull the trailers on roads near near Blacksburg. Yeah, well, of course. Again, that's testing on roadways, and and again, uh, to me, the the objective on with respect to commercial vehicles and and the certainly the inner city trucking industry is not to take the driver out of the truck. I mean, uh, look, uh, the, this there's a there these things are providing a very valued service. They have uh, very valued commodities that they're hauling. Um, there's revenue there to, to really pay for the driver. Uh, what really the focus needs to be is, is on enhanced safety, which there is a value because of the reduced expected liability that, that's associated with that. That, prefer, that provides the return on investment uh, to justify the technology. Uh, the, the, uh, the comfort and convenience associated that, that's delivered to, to, the, to the driver is absolutely uh, fundamentally valuable. Why? Because uh, driving a truck is, is not a, a, an easy job. And those guys and gals uh, really could use uh, some help. And, um, and they do that every day. Uh, that's how they earn their living. And so the, the productivity in terms of comfort and convenient driver retention, um, uh, better employee, uh, better performance and all this sort of thing. Those are those are the value pieces. There's enough money on the table uh, that, that 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 puts on the table to easily do the return on investment of this technology. Um, and so we really don't have to look at taking somebody out of the truck. In fact, you, you, all, you need that person can then pr- be providing other valuable service to the commodity that's being moved or to the company as it's being moved uh, while still being an attendant. You can afford the attendant. Where you can't afford the attendant is when the attendant has to be there for each of the individuals that you're trying to move or each of the two individuals or three individuals. There just isn't enough money available to pay that person. There's enough money available in the movement of the commodity that is in the back of one of these big trucks and the value that's being provided by moving that commodity from A to B to pay that driver. Now what you should want to do is to remove some of the overhead associated with that, the overhead that's caused by the 
by the implied liability associated with the the unsafeness of of the of that even though the, they are really very safe but they do crash but that crash what is it it's it's something almost 10,000 bucks a year uh, of expected liability per truck that's you know you cut that in half you have $5,000 to play with each year to put technology on a on a truck that lasts at least 4 6 8 years my goodness, return on investment, you'd be stupid not to do it. Uh, and you are stupid when you don't do it. So, you know, those are the reasons to do it. You know, save a little bit on gas, maybe. Move them a little bit closer together, I don't know, maybe. Uh, compared to these other benefits, those are much, much larger, I think. And finally, from the half-baked stuff that probably doesn't deserve your time section of the newsletter, in partnership with Georgia Tech and Curiosity Lab, Delta, the airline, has announced it will help fund a research project testing autonomous vehicles on a one-and-a-half-mile track in, in Peachtree Corners down in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I put it in half-baked, I think it's great that, you know, Delta's in there and Georgia Tech's in there to do AV testing. Uh, doing AV testing on the test track, um, that's like, again, that's that's. That's that's the get kindergarten step. That that's the first step. Uh, you know, get it to work on a on a, in a, in a in a domain that is um, that is not very uh, um, uh, rich or you know has just a few things. Uh, these things have to work on our streets and our highways with Mother Nature throwing curveballs. Okay. And, he, and and those things, uh, to, to think that one can replicate those things on a test track, I don't know. I'm, uh, it, it'd be nice. Uh, certainly, it would be nice. But that's just the beginning. I think, you know, uh, testing out there uh, with Mother Nature in, in, in reality is really where it needs to get to. And so, um, um, yes, uh, another test track, great. Um, but... Um, that's anyway. been going on for a long, long time. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, you look. I mean, all car manufacturers, every car that they put out there, sure, they every manufacturer has a test track to make sure that you know the fundamentals of the car out there. But they they then go out in there and, and drive it on the streets uh, before they put it in the showroom. It's, it's it's always happened this way. This is not not new. Well, why? Because you know, it's tough to replicate all of Mother Nature's curveballs. <laughs> that is. And I guess to put it simply. <laughs> and that will wrap up this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. Ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks so much for listening.